Blog Talk Radio. Driving all night, my hands wet on the wheel. It's talking in circles. There's a voice in my head that drives my heel. With your host, Clayton Caldwell. My baby calling till I need you here. And John Harlow. And it's a half past four and I'm shifting gear. Welcome to Talking in Circles. I am Clayton Caldwell with John Harlow tonight. We're breaking down the Hollywood Casino 400, the final race of the round of 12 in the NASCAR playoffs. Four drivers went home. We'll discuss who. We'll tell you who. Discuss what they brought to the track today, if it was good enough. Also, we'll talk about Chase Elliott's victory. He's his third career win, his third win of the year. Does this put him in the championship talk for Homestead Miami Speedway? Also, Kevin Harvick's been on pit road. Uh, led 76 laps, but on pit road, relegated him to a finish of 12th. We'll discuss his race. Also, Kyle Larson, uh, he went home. Brad Keselowski, Ryan Blaney, Alex Bowman, all eliminated. And John Hunter Nemechek, he won the NASCAR Xfinity Series race at Kansas Speedway. It was his first career win. He did it in pretty dominating fashion as well. Uh, it was either him or Daniel Hemrick. They really swapped the lead for most of the, most of the afternoon. We'll talk about what that means for John Hunter Nemechek's career and the wild event. It was a really wild Kansas, Kansas Lottery 300 where a couple of playoff contenders went out very, very early. We'll discuss that and more tonight on Talking Circles. Anytime you want to the show, the number is 917-889-8280. That will get you on our show tonight if you want to talk about anything here on Talking Circles. First, John Hollywood Casino 400, Chase Elliott standing in victory lane. His third win of the year, his second in the last three races. Um, No doubt he got a break with Kevin Harvick speeding, but still, this nine car has shown some speed here of of late, Uh, especially on these mile-and-a-half tracks. We we saw the nine team. They weren't the best car out there today. Everybody kind of pointed towards the four and and the 12 and other drivers out there as as people who are faster – but Chase Elliott was the one that ended up in victory lane. What were your thoughts on today's race at Kansas Speedway? <sighs> what? Oh, I'm sorry. Um, it was a snooze fest. I got a good nap in. Um, Chase Elliott, yeah, good. Congratulations on the win. But as you said in the lead up to talking to me, that the dominating car of the day was Joey Logano or Kevin Harvick or Ryan Blaney. But as the run went on, Blaney lost speeds. And Blaney said, I mean, he was surprised that they pulled off seventh place finishes bad. I mean, because he was getting loose all the time, hit the wall a couple times. Um, Chase Elliott won. And the only reason Chase Elliott won was because Kozlowski knew he had to, uh, him and Paul Wolf knew they had to throw everything they could at it. So they went on a totally different strategy than everybody else, and it didn't work for him. But it was a nice try. Got to give him an A for effort. Um, Kyle Larson wrecked in practice and had to go to a backup car because that guy, he could run anywhere today. And made it up. He was in second at one point, finished third, but he started from tail end Charlie and got up there. And unfortunately, he's not going to make the next round. But Kevin Harvick speeding on pit road. Keselowski was leading the race at the time, but the way it would have cycled out, Harvick would have came out of pit road ahead of Chase Elliott and in the lead. And they weren't going to touch him. Uh, Bob Pockers in his article after the race said it was a typical Kansas race. 
Track position was key. And in 400 miles, there was one green flag pass for the lead. One. And it came when Joey Logano on four tires passed Dave or uh, Ryan Blaney, who took two on pit road. So whoever was in the lead was going to be in the lead unless they wrecked themselves out. And because of fate and fortune and a mistake on Harvick's part, Chase Elliott was in the lead. Kyle Busch was catching them toward the end. And Larson, if they had another five laps to go, I think Larson would have caught both of them. But yeah, Chase, Chase Elliott in victory lane for the third time this year. And you know what? It gives them another five points heading into the next round. It gives them another playoff point. I mean, it gives them five points toward the next round. So as they cut it to four, the way it sits right now, he's in decent shape with three wins because they reset it again, and it's going to be Kyle Busch ahead by one point over Harvick, and Truex still has a bunch of points. Even though he barely made it in, he was struggling throughout the day. There was a point where Truex was out for a while. But, I mean, I think it was a snooze fest this week. Um, Texas is better. Martinsville's better. Phoenix is better. It's just that Kansas, for some reason, it's just track position. And it was windy as all, all get up out there, and it was chilly, so they were able to get more horsepower. But the car was wobbly because you go through those winds on those turns, it's trying to push the back end around. So, I mean, they were fighting loose all day no matter what. They could have had the tightest car in the, in the world, and you're hitting those 35-mile-an-hour winds coming around the turns. You're going to be loose because the wind's making you loose. Heck, you can put a finger on the rear quarter panel and spin a car out, and you saw it a lot of times throughout the race. Whoever Harvick would get behind, he would just get near them, and you'd see them start to lose the rear end coming out of the turn. It was a track position race. It was an okay race. Nobody got hurt. Nobody did anything special. But there was no drama coming out of this because the top eight going into the race were the same top eight going out of the race. Yeah, and that's where I want to kind of start with is the drive. I was a little surprised on a few drivers today on how they performed. One particular, Kyle Busch, and I know people are going to say, well, he finished second. So. I said before the weekend, and I talked about this on Wednesday, I felt this race was a get-good race for the big three. When we talk about the big three, we talk about Kevin Harvick, we talk about Martin Trix Jr., and we talk about Kyle Busch. Those are the big three, and those are the ones you want. If you're in the big three and you want to compete for this championship, this track, and everybody talks about it today, is, is the most similar to Homestead you're going to have on the schedule. And um, you, can move, you can maneuver, you can move around, you can run any, any part of the racetrack, you can run high, low, middle, wherever you want to go. And I felt if, if they're still going to be in the conversation for a favorite as a championship, I wanted to see what Kyle Busch would bring. I wanted to see what Martin Truex Jr. would bring, and I wanted to see what Kevin Harvick would bring. In my opinion, Kevin Harvick has done nothing to um, take away anything that makes me believe he's not going to be the champion for 2018. Because I think – and, and I know Chase Elliott's won two of the last three, and I'm a roll one talent egg, and we haven't seen Harvick win in a, in a long time. But if he doesn't beat himself, I think Kevin Harvick's going to win this championship going away. I think he proved that today. Kyle Busch, sure, he was decent. Ran in the top five, ran in the top ten. But I think if you talk to that 18 team and you talk to the, the guys at Joe Gibbs Racing who work on that 18 car, they go, you know what? We didn't really 
come out and, and do what we wanted to accomplish today. Same thing with Martin Truex Jr. Truex, you talked about it. He was towards the back end of the top ten, got a nice top five finish out of it, but he was very disappointed at the end of the race. And I don't know what was – there was a time – and the worst part about this with Truex was he was basically saying, I don't know what's wrong with the car. It's just not fast. That's scary, and this is a track, again, this is the type of racetrack you're going to have to run really, really good on if you want to win at Homestead. Now, Kyle, I think, can turn on a switch. Maybe they were a little bit off today, and they can find it. But I think as far as the big three, and for those people in the championship hunt right now, it's a little concerning that you didn't run very good here. I think Kurt Busch is another guy who, he's in the playoffs, he advanced, he ran like total garbage today, that, that 41 car. And the 14 wasn't much better. So I think they're alarmed because you're good. if you want to win this championship and you want to be a big threat to win this championship, you're going to have to perform at, at mile-and-a-half tracks like Kansas and because Homestead is so much like it. Uh, Chase Elliott proved that he might be able to, to compete, but in my opinion, John, Kevin Harvick came out today and proved if they don't shoot themselves in the foot, if they don't make mistakes, it's Harvick's championship to lose. The one who um, made a statement to me most of the day, even though his finish didn't show it, was Joey Logano. I mean, he led 100 laps. And the one thing that's different between Kansas and Homestead is Kansas is more track position. Homestead, you can make a move on your own. We've seen that over the year. I think Homestead's probably the raciest mile-and-a-half track we have on the circuit. Um so Joey Logano made a statement today, and the other part that you're going to see, and you saw it with Jimmy Johnson actually saying, okay, I'm, I'm going to be the test car for Chase Elliott whenever they got eliminated. Kozlowski and Blaney have now been eliminated from Team Penske. Do you think that Kozlowski and Ryan Blaney are now test cars for Team Penske so Joey Logano can make sure that he – does the best they can to make sure Team Penske has a chance at the championship? You bet you he is. The one thing with Stuart Haas, though, they have all four cars still going. Um, Harvick definitely is, in my opinion, the favorite going in. And where you're correct with uh, the big three having to make a statement today because it's been everybody but the big three lately, let's look at laps led today. Kyle Busch, Zero. Martin Truex, zero. Kevin Harvick, 76. And if Kevin Harvick doesn't speed on pit road, it's probably 100. It's 120 because Chase Elliott may have never led the 44 laps that he did lead. So Harvick's showing he can can get to the front and be in the front. Kyle Busch is showing he can stay in the top five, but he isn't showing he can get himself to the front right now. And Truex, I think part of it may be the uh, with the team going away. The other part that's nervous to me, if I'm looking through the silly season part, everybody kept saying Martin Truex is going to Gibbs. Martin Truex is going to Gibbs. Why hasn't there been an announcement yet? And if Martin Truex is excuse me going to Gibbs, you'd think that they would make sure that 78 team is fighting for every bit they can to get themselves to the championship because you want your driver, your new driver coming in to be as happy as you can. 
if Truex feels like Gibbs is sort of shortchanging him on equipment, I'm thinking twice about maybe signing there. Yeah, listen, I, I'm not sure. I don't know if they – I think that deal's done anyway. I think they're waiting to finish the, the year up or at least their championship hopes be done before they announce anything to avoid another distraction on that 78 team. But no doubt, I think they struggled today. Um, and I'll tell you another driver I was pretty impressed with, and I know he ended up seventh, and he didn't um, – you know, they, they kind of got – as the race went on, they, didn't, they weren't as good as they were early on. But Ryan Blaney, this was a driver in a team in that 12 car who needed to win today. And uh, he was very, very fast. They were just a little bit off, and I think they kind of got off a little bit on their adjustments – but if I'm a Ryan Blaney fan and I'm a fan of that 12 car, I say, you know what, they gave, this, they gave him a great effort today because he was very, very fast. And um, it, it stinks to look at it and say, well, whoop de doo we finished seventh. But you were right there. And maybe another adjustment the right way, uh, or, or Blaney doesn't bounce it off the wall there where he just got a little bit too loose, you know, maybe, maybe they're in the top three and you sit there and go, it was a, still a very solid day. But, you know, I was very pleased with what I saw from that from that team. Remember, it's a third car, and I know they, they were together, him and uh, Jeremy Bowens were together last season at the Wood Brothers, but it's the first time Team Penske's had three cars in a long, long time. So I, I would take this as, as a win to this season. Uh, he did a very good job, made the chase, won a race at, 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 at um, the, the Roval at Charlotte, did a very, had a very good year, no doubt about it, Ryan Blaney. Um, but I would have been pretty happy if I was a Blaney fan today just watching how they performed. And, and Penske as a whole, uh, I don't think Kislaski had as much speed as Blaney and Logano. Kislaski sort of had to make some strategy calls to get himself up there. But Team Penske was very fast. In one point of the race, it looked like maybe Team Penske and Stuart Haas Racing were going to run away with it. Uh, and then it just didn't happen that way. So um, I, if I was a Team Penske fan, like you mentioned, Logano ran good. I'd be pretty pleased with the team's effort. Uh, Alex Bowman, I thought was pretty good today. Kind of ended up where he always ends up this season, ninth spot. Uh, he needed to win, and I don't think that car and that team right now is ready to win a ton of races in this series, but not a terrible day for the 88 and Alex Bowman, even though he got eliminated today. I think Alex Bowman showed more growth this year than anybody in the Cup Series. Um, if I'm Alex Bowman, I mean, it's one of those things you talk about uh, when you're the guy who, if you're the one who's replacing the legend, and I mean, don't get me wrong, Dale Jr. was a good race car driver. He's not a legend in the sport when it comes to amount of victories and championships and stuff like that. But Dale Jr. has been the most popular driver since 2001. And you've got Alex Bowman, who basically was the best test driver that Hendrick ever had. He ran some for Mikey back in the day. Nothing spectacular, but he ran well in the couple races he drove for Junior in the Xfinity Series, and Hendrick gave him a shot. And there was a lot of other names that could have went into that car. Matt Kenseth could have went into that car. Um, Kurt Busch was still not signed with Stuart Haas Racing. They could put him in that car. But they put Alex Bowman in and paired him with Greg Ives, and they were I – mean, the first half of the season – the 88 car was the class of the field for Hendrick Motorsports, and a lot of people forget that. I mean, Chase Elliott with his three wins at the end of the year, they came on starting in about June. But from February through June, Bowman was leading the way for Hendrick Motorsports. And I think he had a really good year. 
Uh, it's really something to build on, considering it's his first full season in the Cup Series in any kind of equipment that wasn't broke. I mean, he ran the year for Tommy Baldwin, but half the time, and they were fighting for 30th, and that was going to be a good day for them. It was a great year for Alex Bowman. I think it was a really good year for Ryan Blaney, like you said, the first year with the uh, third car at Team Penske. And a lot of it, him and Jeremy Bullens have worked together from back in the Xfinity Series and over at the Wood Brothers for the last couple years. But it was a really good season for Ryan Blaney. The one car you talked about Absolutely. that really didn't show much today, um, Kurt Busch. Kurt Busch was respectable. Him and um, Boyer were both sitting around 10th place for the first half of the race, and Kurt Busch had a tire that got away. Eric Almirola had a tire that got away. And that both put, push, put both of them back. Almirola came back and finished 10th. Uh, Bush, I don't think he ever got back to where he was anything because he finished 18th and he was a lap down. But, I mean, Boyer hung on at the end of the lead lap to make sure he got through. I think as the day went, and it's one, it was the characteristic, a lot of the, the way the season was for Boyer this year. Except for the couple races that he won, there was a lot of times where Boyer would be strong at the beginning of the race, and they were one adjustment away at the end where they would get comfortable in the car and they wouldn't keep up with the track, and they'd end up fading toward the end. But it was enough to get Boyer to the next round. Um, I still think as we go to the final four, without a doubt, it sets up for Harvick because he's good at Martinsville. Boyer's good at Martinsville. Uh, Kurt Busch is good at Martinsville. Kyle Busch is good at Martinsville. Harvick, mile and a half. Truex runs good at the mile and a half. Kyle Busch runs good at the mile and a half. And Phoenix is just Kevin Harvick's playground. So until we get to Homestead, I, I think the two, the ones you got to watch out for are Boyer, Busch, Harvick, Kyle Busch, and Martin Truex Jr. Those are the ones I think are going to be fighting for the final four, unless Joey Logano pulls off something special at Texas. No doubt. And I, and I think Logano, it was a, a good weekend for him because you talked about it, 100 laps led, sat on the pole, was very fast. Again, I think this, the, the handle on that 22 car went away just a tad at the end, but it's something they can build on for Homestead. And I don't think you, you thought that coming into this weekend. You kind of thought, well, Penske's been a little bit off and not as fast as they need to be. Well, they proved that they might, they have the, the potential to be there at Homestead Miami Speedway. So um, it's going to be interesting to see. 917-889-8280, what do you think this win does for Chase Elliott? Um, you know, here's a guy who Dover was a very good race for him. Amarola had that race in the bag until a caution came out. Harvick probably should have won this weekend, but Elliott's capitalizing on these mistakes. And God knows, last year – and even the year before, he had some opportunities to win races, and stupid things happened to him. He got passed on the last lap where he didn't get the opportunity to win. So he's capitalizing on other people's mistakes. So not trying to take the win away from him at all, but do you think he's got a chance to win this championship at Homestead Miami Speedway? Um, and has your opinion, I know as far as this nine team is concerned, my, champion, my opinion of them have changed for sure over these last three races. I didn't think he had a chance at all going into Homestead, and I still think he's got a chance to make the Final Four. I still think it's Harvard's championship to lose, but what are your thoughts on, on Chase Elliott before we move on here, John? 
I think Chase Elliott has done everything you need to do. One of the things you have to do, I mean, you'll, you heard the old saying, to finish first, you must first finish. And Chase Elliott has always finished. He's been right there, and somebody made a mistake. I mean, when Almirola, the accident at Dover, gave Elliott the shot on the restart, and he got it. Uh, Harvick's speeding penalty gave uh, Chase Elliott the shot, and he took advantage of it. He ran well at Watkins Glen. I mean, heck, he's got three wins, so his point total is creeping up there as they get closer to the final four. He's been being respectable. He's been in the conversation toward the end of the race. He's not sitting there in 15th saying, boy, I wish I could get up there. He's been a top five car most of the second half of the season. And to be consistent up there, it gives you a shot. Because if you're up there, you, you have a chance to capitalize on other people's mistakes. Does he have the speed of Harvick? No. Does he have the speed of Kyle Busch? I don't think so. Does he have the speed of Truex? Yeah, I think he does. Uh, does he have the speed of Kurt Busch or, Har or uh, Almirola whenever they're, I mean, Kurt Busch, Almirola, or Harvick whenever they're all together? I think, I don't think so, but I think he finishes better than they do because they end up as adjustment off, it seems like, the rest of the race. Harvick and Roddy Childers seem to have everything locked down where they don't make mistakes when it comes to the adjustments on the car. It's mental mistakes. Harvick speeding on pit road today. Um, somebody leaving a loose lug nut on a on the pit stop. Uh, somebody not keeping a tire within arm's reach. Those are the little things that's going to bite somebody in the ass somewhere in these four races. And there's going to be somebody who's really, really good who should be in that final four that may not because of either a lug nut, not having the tire within arm's reach. And that just plays into the team aspect of this whole thing. You know, I think a lot of people look at it and say, well, the drivers are, well, the team's very, very important too. And um, it plays certainly in, into this championship. And that's why it's such a team, team sport NASCAR. It really is. Um, you know, when you look at the, at the final four and you look at the point standings here, now I, I think there's no way. And I know you can say, well, anything can happen, et cetera, et cetera. I don't think there's any way that Kyle Busch and Kevin Harvick do not make Homestead Miami Speedway unless they go out and completely uh, wreck in two of these three races or have completely abysmal rounds of eight. Um, they are so far ahead of the rest of the field when it comes to the playoffs. Uh, I just don't understand how they, they, they miss. I mean, right now, they're within one point of each other, but then the next guy is Martin Trex Jr., who's 17 points behind them. So uh, it certainly looks like they're going to they're gonna be very, very good. I think Truex is in decent shape, but he still has to run very good. And that fourth spot at Homestead is wide open. There's no doubt about that, whether it's going to be Chase, Boyer, Logano, Bush, or Amarola, who's the dark horse in this. Um, I definitely think we know two of the drivers who are going to be in Homestead Miami Speedway uh, via points. Um, one of those two are going to be in via points. You know, you can only have three winners. So either Kurt or Kyle, or excuse me, either Kyle or Harvick are going to be in. The rest of them are going to have to win, I think. Um, what are your thoughts? Do you think, who do you think is the best driver to advance, uh, not, not of the big three, who do you think is the best driver to advance um, into Homestead? Just because of the way the track's set up, I think Clint Boyer is really, really good at Martinsville. I think I give him a puncher's chance because of the way he runs Martinsville. 
I give Kurt Busch a puncher's chance by the way he qualifies and runs a mile and a half in Texas is a one and a half groove track. There isn't a heck of a lot of passing going on in Texas these days. And Kurt Busch is up there with as many poles as anybody else. So he qualifies well. And if they can stay with the racetrack, I give Boyer or Kurt Busch the opportunity to be that fourth driver. Um, and you're right, Harvick or Bush, one of them, unless they wreck out two of the races, one of them will definitely be in the final four. I actually think, I mean, we could almost see somebody go on a streak here too because Martinsville, it plays into Harvick's hands a little bit. He's been decent, really good at Martinsville lately. Kyle Bush is really, really good at Martinsville. Texas, again, Kyle Bush and Harvick are really good there. So is Truex. And again, Phoenix, that's Harvick's playground. So I actually think Harvick wins Harvick wins Phoenix, Kyle Busch wins Martinsville, and who knows? It could be Boyer or Kurt Busch winning at Texas, and then it's Truex and Chase Elliott battling for that final spot, and Truex has 20 points on him. So it could be that Truex is driving for position and making sure he just stays ahead of the game. But Harvick and uh, Kyle Busch actually can drive without – they can at least drive one race without worrying about anything because they're almost a full race ahead of everybody. I, I totally agree with that, and that, that's why I think they're um, they're in very very good shape as we get ready for the breaking. Really, last four races of the year in a Cup Series, only three races go in the Xfinity Series, um, and uh, four races go in the Truck Series. Speaking of the Xfinity Series, they ran Kansas Lottery uh, 300 this weekend at. Kansas Speedway, and ended up with John Hunter Nemechek, who was driving the 42 car for Chip Ganassi Racing. He ended up in victory lane this weekend at, at Kansas Speedway in the Xfinity Series. A great win. A, a guy who certainly ran very, very well. He was one of the two best cars there. I think at certain points, Hemrick had a better car than him. Then John Hunter had a better car. They made a great adjustment. Mike Shipwit and those guys on that 42 car made a great adjustment at the end of that race to put give John Hunter exactly what he needed to get by Daniel Hemrick and to go on to victory, but it was a race that had a lot of cautions, especially early on. Justin Allgaier got loose, spun, took out Christopher Bell, um, Austin Sindra got involved, Michael Nick got involved, and then uh, a couple of laps later, Brandon Jones blew a tire and hit the wall, uh, and then it was a Ryan Priest, who took his racing on a tough day, got involved in a wreck after two lap cars got together and, and took him out. Um, so it was a kind of a crazy day. It started early in the Xfinity Series, and it ended with John Hunter Nemechek in victory lane. A great win for him, a guy who got a lot of – I wouldn't say criticism, but um, when when Chastain went to victory lane in that 42, you're kind of looking at it going, okay, you know, why wasn't John Hunter Nemechek winning in that car yet? Well, he proved, you know what, I can, I can do this too. And he goes out there and wins. A very nice win and a big statement win for John Hunter Nemechek at Kansas Speedway. The one thing with John Hunter Nemechek, and there's a, there are times where John Hunter Nemechek drives over his head. But he's young, you know, and um, I think that that you know when you when you when you're young like that, there's still a lot to learn. And I think, in, especially in the Xfinity series, he's done a very good job in the Truck Series with his um, with his Truck Series team with Nemco Motorsports. And stuff and and running that team. So listen, he he certainly needed to be more polished, I think. And that's what the, that's what he's sending the Xfinity series for. That's why when people were saying get him in the Cup series, I'm like whoa whoa whoa, slow down a little bit. He, he's still got some 
some experience. And I'm not saying he's a bad – I think he's going to be a great race car driver, a great one. Um, but, you know, slow it down. Just take us down, uh, down a step here. He needs some polish. He did a very, very good job this weekend. I think we're going to see more of this and more winning from him in the Xfinity Series as he gets more experience. Yeah, I think John Hunter Nemechek is going to be something special. Um, and you're right, there was a lot of talk whenever Ross Chastain won in that 42 car, wondering why John Hunter Nemechek didn't. There's times, like I said, he's driven over his head. But today he drove great, did what he needed to do on Saturday. Um, they made some great adjustments. Him and Mike Shiplett, I mean, it's their first time working together. And there's times where you've got Mike Shiplett where he might be making adjustments he thinks Carl Larson needs. And he still hasn't gotten his firm grip around what John Hunter Nemechek needs to get the uh, adjustments made properly for whatever they're doing with the car. Uh, one of the things that I think is really cool about the John Hunter Nemechek win was Kansas Speedway put it on their Twitter page uh, that 15 years ago, Joe Nemechek won his last Xfinity race. And you see John Hunter Nemechek standing in front of him. And John Hunter's first win is at Kansas. I mean, that was a great picture of the two of them together and the way they did it. It was interesting to see that. Um, I think John Hunter Nemechek is a great talent. One of the things, again, we're running into, you look at it, um, Chastain had to run for free for Ganassi. And the reason those races were available is because John Hunter didn't have sponsorship for them. So the DC Solar folks said, okay, we'll run uh, Chastain in these three races. And Chastain said, okay, I'll run them for free just because I want to be in really good stuff to see how I do. And he turned some heads with it. Maybe John Hunter Nemechek turns some heads today. But the problem is, as you keep seeing, if you don't have the financial backing to come with you, you're going to stay in crap equipment forever. You're going to have a part-time ride forever. I mean, look at how it is. John Hunter Nemechek should be in a top-level Xfinity ride right now. But no, Michael Annette is. Why? Because he is pilot flying Jay writing a blank check for him. And that just, to me, drives me nuts. There's a lot of really good rides. It should be in better stuff, and it should be more built to – I mean, I remember the day, whenever it was, the owner got the sponsorship, and the sponsor basically said, okay, car owner, you know what you're doing. It's not like in football, if uh, you're the official sponsor of the NFL or you're a sponsor with the Patriots, it's not like you can go up there and say, hey, uh, Mr. Kraft, I want you to trade Tom Brady because we're tied into Jimmy Garoppolo. You're going to put your best product on the field. In NASCAR, I don't think they're putting the best product on the field because everybody is so uh, sponsor-driven. It's all dollars and cents anymore. It's not the best cars and the best drivers. And that's one of the things where our, this sport, which both you and I have loved for a really long time, is starting to really go downhill, and it's going downhill fast. Yes, for sure. And and. Um, you know, we hate to see drivers lose the opportunity, but, you know, you still see some guys. Certainly, John Hunter's done a very good job in, in, with the limited resources and the sponsorship he's had uh, over his career. He's done a very nice job in trucks and, and got his first extended series win. Daniel Hemmerich's another guy, and, man, you feel bad for him at, at, at a time, too. You know, he, he just – he's always seems to be there, always seems to be up front, running good, just, you know, just got beat on Saturday, unfortunately, and, and he finished second. I'm sure it was a frustrating loss for him. Sat on a pole, led 128 laps, did a great job, but just at the end, it just seemed like that 42 car was a little bit better, and unfortunately for Hemrick, he it kept him out of victory lane, but 
man, he's he's got to have a win coming. You've got to think he's going to end this year with a victory uh, or, or at least get close. But uh, a nice job by him, certainly, in that 21 car with South Point Hotel, Hotel and Casino on that Chevrolet for Richard Childress. But just just not enough for Hemrick in that 21 car on Saturday. I think the guy who had the toughest breakout of the day, I mean, when uh, Justin Allgaier got loose and um, caused the big melee on the first lap, I, I think the guy who had the worst breakout of the bunch was Cole Custer. His team actually did get it fixed enough to manage where they could keep uh, minimum speed. He finished 26 whenever uh, Bell, Allgaier, and Sindrick finished 37, 38, and 39th. But the problem is it still puts – Cole Custer, 23 points out of the final playoff spot. Now, they still have two more races to go to get into it. But, I mean, if I'm Cole Custer, and it was no doing of his own, I mean, they're on a, they're on a start of the race, and Allgaier just got loose coming into the turn and wound up washing up and taking out the beginning of the field. He took out some really good cars in that accident. I mean, Christopher Bell, he was cruising. There was nobody going to touch him. He's one point to the good right now. So it's going to be an interesting uh, two more races for the Xfinity Series to see how they end up pulling it off. They've got the week off this week because the trucks are running at Martinsville. But when they get back to Texas, it's going to be interesting to see how these guys go. All guys out of the playoffs, and he's won a boatload this year. So it'll be really – and Cole Custer's had some really fast cars. I still see Christopher Bell, Allgaier finding their way into the final four. But now you got to really look at and consider Daniel Hemrick as a threat for the championship because once they get to home, excuse me, once they get to Homestead, um, all bets are off. And Hem- Hemrick always finds his way to be there. And it might be one of those Chase Elliott scenarios lately where he's been there at the end and capitalized on others' mistakes. Hemrick's had a lot of things go against him, but he's been there at the end. Let's see how he does in the last four last uh, four races of the year to see how he ends up following. I mean, the last three races of the year to fo- see how this finds. Um, you know what I mean? See if he can capitalize on others' mistakes. Yeah, no doubt about it. Nine one seven eight eight nine eight two eight zero. Talking circles. Clayton Caldwell and John Harlow here tonight. Um, yeah, and and you look at the playoff points right now in the Xfinity Series. It certainly shook it up. You know, it's amazing what one race can do because you mentioned Allgaier. I think him and Christopher Bell, uh, you know, a lot of people felt this way. They were the two guys to really look out for going to Kansas Speedway. Hey, you know, they've they've won a lot of races. Allgaier's won five races. Bell's won six. Um, so, and a mile and a half makes up a majority of our schedule. So you kind of looked at it and said, okay, those are the two guys, and they were out on lap one. So it really threw a monkey wrench into that whole uh, okay, well, who's going to win and really open up the race for a lot of other drivers who might not have a chance at it. Hemrick included in that, uh, and John Hunter Nemechek, and, they capital- and Nemechek capitalized, did a great job. Uh, and it was awesome to see you write about, you know, his dad swept the weekend there in 2004, 14 years ago. God, goodness. I mean, I remember where I was when I watched that race. It's hard to believe it was 14 years ago. Um, but it was nice to see uh, John Hunter and Victory Lane celebrate. He certainly deserved it. Um, and, and when you look at these playoff points, you know, Reddick's up there now, who was a guy I don't think a lot of people on that radar. Sadler hasn't had the year, um, hasn't had the year that, that you look at and you say, well, um, he, he's going to be a championship contender. I, I don't think he's nearly been as good as he was last year. And then Hemrick. Hemrick is leading, but 
a penalty potentially for him, John. You know, when you look at uh, where he is now, it hasn't come into effect yet because this is just speculation. But it's not speculation that his car was too low, but it, but it hasn't been a penalty hasn't been announced as far as what they're going to take away. But it looks like an L1 penalty for Daniel Hemrick. His car was too low at, on post race inspection at Kansas Speedway. It could result in a loss of 10 points. He might lose his car chief and his crew chief. Maybe who knows where NASCAR is going to go with that. But a, a potential penalty for Hemrick, and that could really punch up his field back again here uh, after Kansas Speedway. Yeah, it's a shame that um, not only is Hemrick there at the end and everything, but his car's too low at, at uh, post race inspection. And the average L1 penalty is 10 points. That would give him a 13 point lead over uh, fourth place. And I think it'll be interesting to see how they do. Um, a lot of times you get to this point of the season and you get one of those penalties and it bites you in the butt and you don't recover from it. Because like you said, they'll probably lose his car chief, possibly the crew chief as they go forward. So it'll be an interesting weekend whenever they hit Texas in two weeks. And we should find out his penalty Wednesday and it will bunch up the field a little bit more. Oh yeah, no doubt about it. And, Kind of surprising um, because we really haven't seen that team, uh, you know, cheat much this year or missed for a penalty. So uh, I'm sure that's very frustrating for for uh, Hemrick, who's really had a good year. And and really after Kansas, when everybody else had issues, he kind of lengthened the gap a little bit, and gave him some breathing room. But now they're going to be right breathing down their neck if it is a 10 point penalty for him, with Sadler probably leading the points as we get to as we get to Texas Motor Speedway in a couple of weeks. A little bit of interesting silly season news, John. Uh, Spencer Gallagher announced that he will retire as a driver at the end of the 2018 season in the Xfinity Series. Uh, Spencer's dad, Maurice, owns GMS Racing. He owns IS, IMS Vision, um, Allegiant Airlines as well, uh, all that. And um, he's going to take a, a role, a leadership role at GMS Racing uh, and work in that that particular way. Not sure why he wanted to decide to um, retire as a driver, but he's certainly going to do it at the end of the 2018 season. Um, made his cup debut uh, a bunch of weeks ago at Watkins Glen. Not sure what this means for GMS Racing in, in the future, whether they're going to go cup racing or not, whether they're going to stick with the Xfinity Series, whether they're going to stick strictly with the tr- Truck Series. That all remains to be seen. Um, but what are your thoughts on Spencer Gallagher, and do you think this could affect uh, GMS Racing in the future. Well, you and I both talked uh, earlier in the year when the rumor was that GMS was possibly going to go cup racing in 2019. Um, Cause we all thought because Maurice Gallagher owns the thing and Spencer is his son. We thought it was going to be one of those built around Spencer things whenever they would come forward. And the news kind of surprised me whenever it was announced that Spencer was retiring, but also this summer, remember Spencer popped hot on a piss test. So this might be one of those ones where he may be thinking or he may have got popped by NASCAR again. He just may just do this the smart way and say, okay, I'm walking away. I'm going to retire. And we're going to put, they're going to do the uh, drive, uh, the get clean program again, but this one, they'll be real quiet about it. Um, I don't know if I'm Maurice Gallagher and I put a boatload of money into this because I wanted my, my son had this dream and I have the ability to give him a chance at this dream. 
do they stand? I mean, they say he's going to take a management role with the team, but he also talked about um, how he was uh, one of those engineers and stuff in the Silicon Valley and different things. I don't know where he wants to go next. I mean, they say he's going to have a management role with the team, but we all know Mike Beam runs that team. Everybody, um, everybody in the garage knows without Mike Beam, uh, GMS racing doesn't exist the way it is. And they've moved up to the Xfinity series when Spencer was moving up to the Xfinity series. And you figured they were going to move up to the cup series because it was about time for Spencer to move up to the cup series. There was a talks of GMS racing and furniture row about even partnering with the 78 car going forward. And I guess those fell apart because, um, Barney Visser wanted things to stay in Denver and GMS didn't. And then Barney just said, okay, I'm done. I mean, I'm thinking that's a heck of a way to close up shop whenever you got somebody who wants to be a partner, but we got to move to where we want to be. I'm sorry. I would have taken that deal. They could have kept Truex in 78, possibly built up a second car because it's not like uh, Maurice Gallagher's poor. Um, they have the ability to do that. But it's one of those things that it this could cause, this is one of those teams that we're looking at as a possible future of NASCAR team. I'm not sure if the future is there. If I'm Maurice Gallagher and I'm building this thing for my son and my son says I'm done, why should I stay? Yeah, no, no doubt. And I always get concerned, you know, even when you think about a team, another situation where you had a driver and a sponsor that were together and he ended up owning his own race team. And uh, I think it was, I can't remember the race team anymore, but John West Townley with, with Zaxby's, you know, that was a, that was a sponsor and a big time sponsor that was tied to the driver because his dad owned Zaxby's. And you thought, well, maybe when John West gets out, Maybe Zaxby's will continue their um, their relationship in the sport. It didn't happen. As soon as John as soon as John West Townley decided he was no longer going to race, Zaxby's decided they were no longer going to be in NASCAR. So uh, we've seen it before, and that's why I get concerned about this whole thing. And I wish Spencer all the best of luck. But um, you know, I, I just I hope that GMS says you know we're still as committed, and they're still as committed as they have been in the exchange series and in the truck series and maybe eventually even in the cup series. Um, but I get a little concerned because you're right. You know, you build that team for your kid and then your kid um, doesn't want to, you know, doesn't want to race anymore, which is totally his decision. But, you know, you have to wonder well, how that's going to affect um, his team. Another little bit of silly season news was premium motorsports. Um, they announced they're shutting down their truck team. Wendell Chavez announced uh, after Talladega would be his last race. So premium is going to finish out this season. Then they're shutting their truck series team down. They're going to focus their efforts a little bit more on um, the cup series side of things. They own the seven and the 15 car in the cup series. Uh, so they're going to focus on the cup series a little bit more and see what that, see if that has anything to do with maybe a, a improved in performance at premium motorsports in the cup series, shutting down their truck series team though, John, uh, what were your thoughts? Well, I think, I mean, premium motorsports, even with the um, resources from their truck teams, isn't going to be more than a 30th place car unless they put a bunch more money into it that they don't have. Um, I appreciate the fact that they're in the field. I appreciate the fact that they're trying hard, but they don't have the resources of the Gibbs 
the Hendricks, the Stuart Hosses, the Penskys. I mean, they're not billionaires. Gene Haas is a billionaire. Rick Hendrick, if he isn't, is pretty darn close. Roger Penske's a billionaire. And if you think about it, Chip Ganassi of the bigger racing teams is probably the poorest one of the bunch. But he's got a couple billionaires in there with him. I mean, Felix Sabatis made a ton of money making yachts and doing real estate. Rob Kaufman is not poor. Same thing with the guy um, who's teamed up with Richard Petty. He made all his stuff with the medallions for taxi cabs in New York City. So there are some billionaires in this sport that aren't making money at it. And the reason they're billionaires is because they make money. They don't want to throw away money. And you look at Richard Petty Motorsports, his partner is richer than you know what. But they're running a mid-level to small-level team partnering up with Richard Childress Racing so they can say Richard Petty Motorsports is going along, but it's not like they're knocking down the doors getting big-name sponsors, but then again, nobody is anymore. This is true. This is true. Nine one seven eight nine eight two eight zero. Talking circles. Clayton called John Holly. Yeah, you know, you always. What's concerning is you know, truck series. You're looking at it now, and you're going, man. There's a lot of drivers. There's a lot of. There's been a lot of announcements. A lot of um, change in the truck series. I guess you can say, but and and usually this happens, but it happens a little bit later on, um, in in the game. You know, truck series usually gets figured out December, January, and even by February, when the entry list is released for Daytona, there's still a few surprises on that truck series list. So you just kind of sit there and you go, wow, um, this is happening really fast this year. You know, we saw Justin Fontaine, who we had on Talking in Circles back in February or even January, um, talking about his future in, in racing. He, he's not going to be around next year. Wendell Chavez, you know, Spencer Gallagher's run some truck races this year. So there's still a lot of up in the air as far as the truck series goes and, and what's going to happen there. So, uh, premium motorsports shut down. Um, just a lot, a lot more, uh, a lot of changes already in the truck series, and I'm sure there's a lot more. Um, something else I want to talk about well, quick before we get into. Okay, go ahead, John. Well, in the truck series as well, the Spencer Gallagher retirement may cause something with that, because you look some of the better truck series teams. I mean, right now it's Kyle Busch Motorsport, Thor Sport, and GMS. Those are the three that you are looking at as your big three when it comes to the truck series. And if GMS decides, okay, we're done, this isn't a good financial investment for us, Spencer doesn't, isn't there to run anymore. I mean, because they always found a way for Spencer to have something to run in. Even after he had a suspension, came back, and he really didn't hop into the Xfinity car and do much of anything, he hopped more in the truck. And they had the issue where um, – Coughlin is not in the GMS truck anymore. We ha- they had the issue where um, who did Timothy Peters fill in for? Um, Dalton Sargent. Yeah, for Dalton Sargent. I Dalton. mean, there's right. There's a lot of people. I mean, if you lose GMS Racing in the Truck Series, then it's Kyle Busch, uh, Thor Sport, and a bunch of people who can put a truck together and say, okay, I'm going to run. I mean, premium motorsports wasn't anything special to run in the truck series, but it was trucks that would fill the field. And I don't know if they can get 24 trucks next year, the way things are looking. And the reason is we talked to um, 
we talked to truck drivers and they said they I mean there's no money to be made by the time they pay for tires by the time they rent the engine get the hotel rooms drive the truck out there get the truck there pay their entry fee get everybody's hard cards together they're losing money even when they have full sponsorship look at Brad Keselowski racing Brad Keselowski had two fully sponsored trucks and he couldn't make money at it so again back to the old NASCAR business model is beyond screwed up if they don't do something the truck series is gone in two years if they don't do something the Xfinity series because I mean you see how it is if they don't have the Kyle Bushes running every now and then if you don't have the Kyle Larson's people aren't paying for the car because they don't want to put out four or five million dollars for Ryan Priest when they hadn't heard of him I mean, look how Ryan Priest got his gig. He he gave up a full year with Johnny Davis to run, what, five races for Gibbs one year? And pretty much did that out of his own pocket because he brought the sponsorship money to make sure he got a chance at a decent ride. So until they get back to the old model where, okay, we want you to sponsor this car. The, we will give you a good driver. Instead of sitting back saying, okay, driver, what are you bringing to the table? It's almost like the teams don't even work, don't even care about sponsorship anymore. It's up to the driver, and that's sad. Nine one seven eight eight nine eight two eight zero. Talking circles. Clayton Cole, John Harlow, with you tonight. Uh, another interesting series ran at Kansas Speedway. That was the Arca series. They ran their season finale at Kansas Speedway this weekend. Um, it ended with Sheldon Creed in victory lane. He was crowned a champion and the winner of the Kansas ARCA 150 at Kansas Speedway. Harrison Burton, the son of Jeff Burton, he finished second. Michael Self was third. He won Daytona earlier this year. Riley Herbst, who drives for Joe Gibbs Racing, a development driver for them, he finished fourth. Chase Purdy was fifth. Natalie Decker finished in the sixth spot. She's driving for Bill Venerini, who is Wendy Venerini's brother, a big-time owner in that series. Um, Tyler Hill, who's Timmy Hill's brother, he finished seventh driving for Andy Hillenberg, who used to own Rockingham Speedway. Drew Herring, uh, the Joe Goods Racing Development driver, he finished eighth, had a little bit of an issue, got into the wall, uh, racing about 30 laps to go there. Uh, I like Herring a lot. I think he's a good driver. He finished eighth. Zach Rothson finished ninth. And Cole Glasson finished in the tenth position uh, in the ARCA 150 at Kansas Speedway. Their finale was, again, uh, on Friday night, uh, 100 laps there and Sheldon Creed ended up in victory lane. So, um, and, and he was a champion. So when you look at the point standings this year in that series, Creed was your champion. Uh, finishing second was Zane Smith, then it was Riley Herbst, Chase Purdy, and Travis Braden, the top five. The other two drivers who ran all 20 races in that series were Gus Dean and Natalie Decker. So that was the top seven in points from the ARCA series. A um, couple other notes in the ARCA series, a couple of guys who you, you'll probably hear more from um, – down the road, uh, one guy, Joe Groff Jr., who uh, he won a race early in the year, ran 19 races this year, and Christian Eckes, who is going to run the truck series um, coming up a couple of races for, to finish the year. He won three ARCA races this year as well. So uh, that, that's pretty much been a spin on the ARCA series um, in 2018. I think it's going to be interesting to see how ARCA plays next year with the combination with NASCAR buying it and basically running the 
same thing with the K&N East, K&N West, and ARCA, and how they end up blending all that stuff together. Um, I think Drew Herring has got a chance to be something special. You've seen him crawl into a couple of the Joe Gibbs cars when they've had off weeks or the companion weekends back whenever um, Kyle Busch couldn't run or something like that. And he's been respectable, but did he even run this year? I mean, he's a Gibbs development driver, but it's like, where where's he been? He had a couple really good races, and then he's back in the Arca series. Again, it's one of those ones. How much can you bring to the table? You're running. Natalie Decker is more of a driver than Danica ever was so far. She's proven that she can do decent in good equipment. I mean, Venerini Motorsports is really good equipment when it comes to the Arca series. And Natalie Decker has done nothing to um, hurt her shot going forward but I don't think she has a big paycheck attached to her and she's a better driver than Danica already. And all you're going to hear is Danica, 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 whenever there are better female drivers out there, hell, I thought Chrissy Wallace was a better driver than Danica back then. And Chrissy could never find money to get herself moving forward. She ran a couple truck races and that was about it. So there's a lot to go forward with. There's a lot to do better with when it comes to the way the sport the sport is going. And I think Drew Herring's got a shot at being something special. I really enjoyed watching him when he ran the couple Xfinity series races for uh, Joe Gibbs racing that he did. But where's his shot coming at next? And that's one of the things. Harry yeah, Burton's going to be a star. In this, he's going to be a star in this uh, sport, too. And thankfully, he's got a little bit of money attached to him. He's got Dex Imaging with him. But where are they going to be going forward? He's got to ride with Kyle Busch Motorsports whenever he turns 18, finally. But he's still got, what, another year and a half? Till. He's just barely 16, so he can only run the short track races. Yeah. Yeah, and we'll probably see him in, in more truck races, like you said, next year down the road and stuff. But those are the drivers. You know, that's what's great about this ARCA series is you can kind of get a preview um, this is where these young drivers learn, and these drivers who certainly are maybe not young, but a little bit need a little bit more experience or trying to hang on to a career. Um, and uh, this is where they go is the ARCA series. Um, you know, a lot of drivers got their names here. I know, remember Parker Kligerman a bunch of years ago. Um, he ran the ARCA series. I think he won like six races here one year driving for Cunningham Motorsports back when he was a Penske development driver, and he did a great job. He actually, well, there's an announcement this week that he's going to be going, uh, I think it's On Point Motorsports, something like that. Uh, let me, uh, I'll, read, I'll find the, uh, the news release, that I, or the tweet that I read, but uh, he's going to be running three, the th- final three races in the truck series. Usually runs a 75 truck um, for Henderson Motorsports. They usually come to Martinsville, so I wonder if they're going to go with uh, Caleb Holman, who's usually in that 75 truck. But Kligerman's going to have uh, the final three races in the truck tr- the three the last three races in the truck series, excuse me, Texas, Phoenix, and Homestead for a, a new race team that's that's sort of coming up here in the truck series. Uh, probably going to run a 75 at Martinsville for um, for Henderson Motorsports and then finish out the year there. So good news if you're a Parker Kuckerman fan, finding some rides there. Um, so that's other silly season news with this truck series. And that's what this truck series, it seems like they sort of, um, you know, Team shut down and then they get replaced and stuff like that. So and I hope we can keep certainly the amount of teams we have in the truck series right now um, as we go forward. 
uh, next week, John, is Martinsville. It, it's one of those a few short tracks on the schedule. Um, Cup Series, it's only the one of three short tracks. You know, they run six races, short track races a, a season. But what are your expectations for Martinsville? I mean, last year this race ended in chaos with Denny Hamlin and Chase Elliott um, beating, it, beating and banging each other. Uh, it took Chase Elliott right out of a championship and took him right out of a win. Uh, what, what are your thoughts? Do you think we're going to see more of, of the old beating and banging like we see at Martinsville every time we go there uh, in both the trucks and the Cup Series? I think you have to because it's the only way you're going to pass. I mean, unfortunately, I, I love Martinsville. It's a great track. It's um, one of those ones where if you like to see the beating and banging, you're going to see it. But also, there's no second lane. Because it's flat, it's a half mile. The fastest way around is hugging the curb. Because once you get out of the bottom groove, you go backwards because there's a straight line conveyor belt going on there. And you could get nudged out of the way in second place and end up by the time you can find the hole being back in 22nd. So it might be the everybody's nice to each other the first uh, stage. The second stage, you're going to see more beating and banging. But when it comes to the last stage of the race, look out. All hell's going to break loose. Oh, yeah. And I'll tell you something about Martinsville is it sort of levels the playing field, too, because you're not depending on arrow. You're not depending as much as horsepower. Um, and, and it puts drivers up there and teams up there that you normally don't compete with. And it's hard enough to compete with the very, very good race teams on a weekly basis. These teams and these drivers aren't good that, that are going to compete at Martinsville, but it levels the playing field a little bit. And so it, you mentioned if you get stuck on that high lane and get stuck in the outside lane and you fall back from 15 to 20 seconds, it's not like it's easy to get up there and say, you know, like it might be in a mile and a half, well, we're just a little bit faster. You know, you've got to work your way up there because it levels the playing field a little bit. So that's something to keep an eye on. You're going to see, I think, a lot of people, like we saw with Ryan Blaney today, diving and, and, and looking and seeing how many cars are out in the racetrack so they don't start in the outside lane. Um, I certainly think you're going to see that, uh, a lot of that in both series. Um, picks to win, John, in, in the truck series and in the cup series. Uh, if you've got to pick one driver from each uh, division, who do you think is going to win this weekend at Martinsville? Uh, for the truck series, just because he is who he is and the way around Martinsville is knowing your way there, and Johnny Sauter isn't the best short guy and short track guy in the world, but Johnny Sauter's got a heck of a lot more experience than everybody else in the truck series combined. So I'm going to go with Johnny Sauter in the trucks. In the cup series, I'm leaning toward Kyle Busch because Denny Hamlin taught Kyle Busch how to run Martinsville. And since him and De since Kyle Busch went to Joe Gibbs Racing, Kyle Busch's performance at Martinsville has improved dramatically. The only other surprise I may have would be this might be the one where Jimmy and Chad get their final win together because it's Martinsville, even though Hendrick hasn't had the horses that everybody does. Like you said, it's an equalizer. Jimmy and Chad still know their way around Martinsville. This might be the one where uh, Johnson and Canals get their final win together in the 48. Yeah, and this is a track where of, of all the racetracks that have changed, Martinsville has pretty much stayed the same. I want to thank everybody for listening to Talking in Circles. We'll see you next time. Good night, everybody.